Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the AFG Podcast. I'm Bradley Anhouse along with Austin Fry. How you doing, Austin? Doing good. You ready? Yep. All right, so uh, we got a great show lined up for you. A couple of uh, our current events section, we're going to talk about uh, cell phone carrier really screwing up. I mean, I can say it bluntly like that. Talk I about a uh, PR disaster. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about a company trying to go public for the third time, and hopefully Maybe they won't the fail charm. this time. Third time's the charm, right? We got our mailbag questions, including a couple of questions about the iPhone. And about social media, likes, dislikes, and following. Um, strategy today, we're going to be talking about does good creative actually generate sales? And we're going to continue at the end with our segment, our commercial segment. I'm going to give you my commercial of the week, and Austin's going to do the same. So we'll start off. Uh, major outage. Uh, what was it, two weeks ago? Uh, I, th- I think it was around the, then. It, it was not as last week, actually. No, last week. Uh, so uh, for those who don't know, we're talking about the BlackBerry outage. Uh, 70 million users were left in the dark for about, I'd say, three, three, to, three to five days. Uh, started over in Europe. Sorry, started over in Asia, made its way to Europe, and then made its way to the U.S. Uh, one of my coworkers actually experienced it. And, you know, basically this outage... BlackBerry users couldn't access their messages, couldn't access emails. Anything I, through the data service. I mean, I couldn't access my messages, but I have a droid, and that was just droid screwing up. But, <laughs> but I mean, but uh, all in all, it was a kind of a PR disaster. Uh, BlackBerry refuses to talk about it. They'll spend maybe a minute during a, during a press conference to discuss it. Uh, but basically, to reimburse their customers, they did give all their customers a $100 credit towards the BlackBerry App Store. It's that's big, even though their app store isn't as. It, it's not Apple. It's not no. Apple's and it's not Droids, but no. But a hundred dollars definitely will take you a long way. It'll kind of put some. But is that enough for? I mean, you had people on Wall Street that couldn't receive any texts or messages. I mean, they those guys live off their Blackberries. Uh, is a hundred dollars towards the app store enough? The hundred dollars doesn't buy back a hundred million dollars. No, not at all. Wall Street, but. <laughs> I mean, it's the most they can do for 70 million users. $100, $100 to the app store is going to be a lot of money for them. But Oh, it's going to be a lot more money in the long run. Once all these contracts start coming up, you're definitely going to see a lot of people jumping ship. Yep. Apple's definitely made strides in making their network more secure. I know um, I have some friends in the aerospace industry that have been hesitant to go to it because of safety issues on the network, but they're right. actually switching because there's some way now that they could do it. So as you see this happen... So Research in Motion, uh, that's the company that owns BlackBerry. Uh, RIM is their uh, stock symbol, R-I-M-M. And they they did suffer through it, but uh, like we said, and basically they really didn't give anyone a timeline for how long it was going to take. They, they were honest and said, we really don't know. Yeah, but then again, they did leave the people in the dark as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, and, and you can't do that. I in mean, this day and age, we... In this, not, not just this day and age, but the tech industry, you, you get one strike. You don't get three in the tech industry. You no. get one strike, and you, people are dropping you like flies, especially the guys that can afford the $300 cancellation fee. They'll say, screw it, I'm going to cancel and move over. And they will. There's plenty of people who did it instantly, you know. I know plenty of people, it's the next day they could, there was an iPhone 4S on order waiting at their Oh, door. yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> So, I mean, all in all, I think BlackBerry really messed up. Uh, my original prediction was two years before uh, RIM went out of business or was sold. I'm, gonna, I'm pushing up that prediction to about uh, eight months now uh, before I think Google buys it. <laughs> uh, who knows? What patents could they use in there? <laughs> I know, right? All right, so moving on from BlackBerry, uh, we're going to talk about another company going, uh, trying to go public here. 
for those who already know, uh, the company Groupon it has is trying to out another shot at its IPO. Yeah, and this isn't the first time we've heard of this. It goes dates back to June, and I think even last year, possibly. It's unreal that you know this is the third time they're trying it. Uh, we we had uh, CNBC on in the background. One of the red flags that they had for the company was <laughs> this is a good that, one. <laughs> that their balance sheet shows that they're technically insolvent. So how are you how are you supposed to go public if you have no cash? Also, they closed. What was it? November of last year, I believe they closed a round of funding for a hundred and seventy six million dollars somewhere mm-hmm. in that ballpark. And of that hundred and seventy six, eighty six percent of that went back to first round investors who wanted to get out. What does that say about this company? Does, do you see a future in it? Not at all. I mean, I, I'm signed up for it, and half the deals that I get, actually, sorry, more than half, probably 99% of the deals I get are ridiculous, and I have no interest in buying it. No, it's companies trying to get a name. But here, I'm going to give you some of the figures that they're looking to get. They're planning to raise between $480 million to $540 million. Um, it's about two-thirds of the $750 million that they're currently valued at. And essentially what they want to do is they want to release 30 million shares, which is about 5% of the company, somewhere between $16 to $18, and it's going to value the company somewhere between $10.1 to $11.4 billion. I think it's going to initially skyrocket, but you'll see with in a month tops, it's going to really flatten out, and then you're going to see a really I don't agree. I, re- I really don't think it's going to... I don't think it's even going to skyrocket. I uh, I had trust in the General Motors IPO when they first came back, and that one failed miserably as well. It did. That one, you know, it spiked real quick. The first day it went through the roof, the yeah. General Motors one, and then it, it faded into dust within a week. Everyone was just like, what IPO now? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, think, I think you're right, though. I think uh, just the... Just the PR end of it, that the fact that you know Groupon's getting their name out there, and the fact that they're having this IPO is going to generate some interest. It's going to put some buzz, but they've just been plagued with blunders between the yep. accounting. They, their accounting hasn't been together throughout this entire thing. That's what's really put it on the back burner. So I guess we'll see what happens in the coming month once it goes live at the beginning of um, yep. November. It's about two weeks, they said it'll happen. All right, so we'll see what happens then. All right, on to our mailbag questions. Again, if you'd like to ask us a question, please feel free to email us. Our email address is theafggroup at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at theafggroup. Uh, feel free to tweet us your questions or, and, or just follow us. Or you can post on our wall on Facebook, facebook.com slash theafggroup. So the first question we've got uh, comes in terms of cell phones, again, but this time not BlackBerry. We're talking the iPhone with the iPhone 4S coming out, and the question is, now with the iPhone 4S, uh, now that it's on Verizon, it's been on Verizon for about a year now, now it's possibly moving over to Sprint, what, the question is, what is AT&T's grounds now? They they were the leader because of the fact that they had the iPhone. The deal with, their deal with T-Mobile isn't going to go through, and so what are they going to do now that the one thing that differentiated them, it's no longer differentiating them. It's now they have now the same stuff as Verizon and Sprint, and we already know Verizon's coverage is better. It, the only pe- reason people are actually sticking around, and they begrudgingly stuck around, was because they loved that phone so right. much. And now you're going to see, they just actually published a report saying that um, Verizon Wireless beat AT&T in contract subscriptions. Which does not surprise me. No, anyone could have seen it coming that as soon as... Verizon has something bigger and better and something that everyone wanted, such as this phone. Right. I'm not going to lie. I'm a Verizon iPhone user. I love it. But um, I wasn't going to switch to AT&T because 
I actually enjoy my service. <laughs> now the question is, in terms of buying a new plan, let's say you're, you know, you can have either the you can have the iPhone. You're going to go get the iPhone no matter what. You have your choice between AT and T and Verizon. Do you go with Verizon that no longer offers unlimited data and basically they have the tier plan, or do you go to AT and T that offers unlimited data but will slow down your data speeds if you go over two gigs a month? So, uh, what, what do you feel that you would go with in that case? Do you do you pay for the two gigs at the lowest tier and slowly go up by tier by tier? If you're not going to use Wi-Fi, obviously, if you use Wi-Fi, you're not getting charged on data. But do you want to use that, or do you want essentially, wanna... you know, with the newest feature off of iPhone too, the iMessage it takes it out of your data. So right. I guess we'll have to see how it happens in the coming and, months. And now but... the fact, uh, the only thing I can say about uh, AT and T is, if they had gotten T-Mobile, they would have gotten T-Mobile's four G network, which isn't going to happen. You know, the, uh, they've already said it's basically not going to happen. The deal between AT and T and T-Mobile. No, it was too big. It was just plagued with disaster. Uh, but I still think Verizon is going to come out on top in this. Oh, absolutely! Just super- I need service. It, I could have the best phone in the world, but if I'm not going to be able to right. make a call or even use the data on it because I don't have service, and Verizon does me. advertise, I believe their 4G is in about 170 different markets. I don't think AT and T is anywhere near there. No, Verizon's just trumping the competition in coverage. Yep. So all in all, I mean, the question I have, you're going to see. Our, I think our answer is. They really don't have anything to differentiate themselves anymore, and I think we're slowly going to see Verizon slowly continue to take the market, the market share. Is just gonna, absolutely. It's not going to happen overnight. Once the no. contracts are coming off, everyone's just going to switch. I say give it another. I say give it another sixteen to twenty months. Somewhere within the two-year ballpark, because if people just signed on before that, they're obviously going to be locked in for the two years. Yep. But after that, you're going to see them most likely switch unless they're getting a phenomenal deal that yep. could be something. All right, well, our next mailbag question uh, comes to us, and the question is, what do I get for, as a consumer in terms of liking a company on Facebook and following them on Twitter? Uh, for those who don't know, we are, you know, we do do social media consulting. Yeah. So, I mean, well, it, it's an excellent question. I mean, oh, I, no, I, I like a bunch of companies on, on my Facebook page. You do the same thing, and it seems that sometimes they just continue to spam you. I mean, we've unfollowed companies on Twitter because all they do is spam our feeds. And a lot of people just aggregate information from a bunch of different sources, yep. don't produce original content. The key to the success, we tell any potential client, any current client, is it lies within the contact, the interaction, the story that's being told throughout there. Absolutely. It's not just posting to post. It's not about you don't want to inundate someone's feed because that's what's going to lead to exactly. the unfriend, the unfollow, the unlike. And the whole point of the like is when you, when you like something, it's going to come on your feed and it, it increases your exposure, but yeah, there was a study just published that saying that um, if you follow a brand on Twitter, you're 60% more likely to tell a friend about that brand. And if you follow it on Twitter, you're 50% more likely to actually purchase from that brand. And now the question is, is that are those numbers going to start being diluted? Uh, I mean, that's the thing is I think as a consumer, you have to realize, do I really, you know, you really have to think about it. Don't just start clicking like, 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 just because you see your, all your friends like it. Like a company because you want to subscribe to their updates. Don't just start liking things because that defeats the whole purpose. Oh, then there's plenty of people that if you look at their followers, they're following... 5,000 people on Twitter, you can't effectively follow 5,000 no, people on Twitter. No, absolutely not. 
It's you, it just it's all about targeting. We, you know, we strive when we do it for clients, when we do it for ourselves. We target exactly who we're going to reach out to, who we're going to follow, what we're going to say to those people, who how we're going to interact. The key and we, and we make sure those are the people that we're getting. You know, we don't want we don't want the people that have no interest in us. If we're an ice cream brand, why would we go out and follow a tire brand right. or something like that? Because you can follow another brand. That's fine. Because you even want to follow the competition to see what they're up to. But following a tire brand just to try and get a follower serves you no good because also, it's not going to Also, remember that Twitter does have the availability to use lists, that you don't have to follow the company. You can put them on a list, and that way you can decide whether or not you want the updates or not. And also, it doesn't show on your, on your page that you follow them, which I think is a very good idea of utilization that people should start utilizing those lists. Oh, completely, but most people don't realize no. what the lists are. Not they at just, all. You know, most the general consumer doesn't even understand the whole concept behind right. social media and how to utilize it to your advantage from a business and a personal perspective. Right. So all in all, I think the overall answer to that is just be I, selective. Right. I mean, be picky. <laughs> com- com- companies are going to be the same. Consumers, you have the ability. You control what the company is going to do. And if they spam, a lot of them do because they think and that's the key. Then you just unfollow. It's as simple as that. And it backfires that. in their face. And they're exactly. not gonna get They're not going to utilize the full capabilities that it offers in this situation. Just remember the consumer has full control in that situation. Social media is very consumer-driven, not brand-driven. 100%. And again, if you want to ask us a mailbag question, you can go ahead and you can email us. Our email address is theafggroup at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash theafggroup, or you can follow us on Twitter at theafggroup, and you can send us your questions over Twitter on our feed. We'll be sure to get to them, or you can just follow us and get our up-to-date. All right, so uh, I think we're ready to move on to strategy, my favorite part of this. <laughs> All right, so strategy today, we're going to be talking about just because something made you laugh, like the creative made you laugh, or you like the creative, is it going to lead to a sale? Right. And what kind of drove us here was that we read an article the other day about the beer industry, which I'm a huge advocate, like I said, we of the are. creative. <laughs> well, oh, of the beer industry of the creative. <laughs> the creative, both, both, but <laughs> let's keep it correct for business. Of the creative, it's very good. It makes me laugh. Coors Light, most notably, this was in the article. They're trying to reposition themselves in the market because sales just haven't rebounded since this recession. Right. Since 2008, the beer industry, the liquor industry in general, has just seen a steady decline, and they're trying to rebrand and reposition themselves to increase sales. Just be, so it leads us to a point that just because you laughed at the Coors commercials with all the coaches, right, doesn't mean you're going to buy it. No, when I go to the personally, I go to the look, I go to the beer. Distributor, and I look for a craft beer. I'm not going for a Coors or Bud Light unless I'm throwing a party. Hosting yet, yet these companies are throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at this creative just to make their ads funny so people laugh. Exactly. I mean, the laughing and having the name in the company and just having that association in your head doesn't necessarily go ahead and doesn't lead to a sale. No. I mean, think at, of that. If, uh, yes, if you're you know you're a college student and you're going to a party, you saw the Miller Lite commercial, maybe that one time you'll say, what beer do I want? You see the Miller Lite commercial, clicks in your head, you go get Miller Lite. But if you know, you're know you a 40-year-old man and you see a Miller Lite commercial, you'll laugh. You'll go to the supermarket and you'll buy a Heineken. Yeah, that's just, you know, everyone has their own taste. Me and Bradley prefer craft beers, but... Um, Essentially, in order to stand out from the pack in this day and age and to tr- really convert creative into sales, 
it's all lies within creating an emotion and a bond with the consumer and telling the story that's different from every other brand that's and in your industry. remember, it's quality always trumps quantity. Exactly. And, you know, we do a lot of buzz. We deal with buzz, word of mouth, and viral generation campaigns. We don't deal with traditional means of advertising such as, you know, television ads, billboards, and um, magazine ads. We deal. Right. We believe the mentality is shifting in this day and age to these more ground, grassroots, guerrilla-type marketing. It's much more cost-efficient from a budgetary aspect. Companies like Bud Light spend over $100 million a year with these agencies to not even generate the sales that they're looking for. You could spend $50,000 on a guerrilla campaign, and it could make you an, a hit. The only way you're really going to do it is through Super Bowl commercials because that's where people are really intently right. looking, and that's going to cost you two to three million dollars for a thirty-second slot. Right. So, all in all, I mean, like I said before, quality will always trump quantity. In the fact that you can have the greatest creative in the world, but if your product doesn't stand up, it's not going to stand up in the market. Show what makes you different, and a lot of these beer commercials even do it. You know, Coors does with the bars, the cold bars. And the window shopping on right. the cans. But like, what is that going to do for you? It doesn't make me want to go out and buy no, it. But all. when I go to the store, I, I, make... I can tell a beer is. I can tell if a beer is cold by putting my hand on it. I don't need a bar to tell me that. But when we do go to the store, I've known it's happened with me and my friends. You you go oh look let's go window shopping you'll see you'll point out showing that it did resonate but it actually but didn't did you convert actually, to a did, sale yeah, when I was you buy the at product. the store staring at it. no exactly you you'll walk up to the Coors Light bottle and you'll look at it and go oh look it's super cold and then you put it back down and then you'll go get the beer you actually want to drink exactly so create an emotion tell the story and that's what's going to differentiate you at the end of the day and that's what's going to convert to a buy all right so we're going to move on to our next segment our final segment of the day. And we're going to just give our take on some advertisements that we've seen over the past week and whether or not we like or dislike them. Mine, my preference was the new Microsoft ad that's come out. Uh, basically, the ad is a little kid showing a PowerPoint presentation of why he needs a dog. There's no talk in the commercial, which is my favorite part of it. So the kid is giving a funny little PowerPoint presentation on why he needs a dog. They decide to get a dog. Next thing you know, the dad's coming to the wife. The husband's coming to the wife with his PowerPoint. His PowerPoint says why I need to play golf on Sundays. <laughs> and basically, it, it just it gave me a little kick. I've always loved Microsoft ads. I've always loved Windows ads and how, uh, you know, they, and what I really like about them is they're extremely based around the consumer. If you see the old PC ads, they always say, I'm a PC. They're concerned about their consumer, and that's why it's such a great business. And although we are recording this right now on a Mac, I was a PC user for the first 20-something years of my life, and besides the fact that my HP continuously crashed, I will always love their commercials. Keep up the good work, Microsoft. Unfortunately, I'm a Mac, I'm a Mac guy now. All right, the one that kind of stood out in my eyes was the commercial for Siri. And I know it just... It gives you exactly what this service is about. It tells you, you see a guy running along the waterline in the city, and he's just, he's talking to Surrey, and then you see him, he gets in the car, he's going to be, he says, oh, route me to this, and it says, oh, there's 30 minutes worth of traffic, so then he has sent, orates a text to who he's going to, saying, oh, I'm going to be 30 minutes late, this traffic. It just clearly shows exactly what this is, and there's so much buzz about this right now that this commercial is only going to help further push this product and the Apple brand itself into the future. I don't know. It just, 
it takes a lot for a commercial to stand out in my eyes. I see a bunch, and I hate a lot of the creative that's out there. I'm very open about it. But um, this one in particular really... And I'm not just saying it because I'm an Apple fan. I'm saying it because it's good creative because I also thought the Windows commercials, I was going to do that one, but um, I thought that was great, too. It's just, it made me laugh. I'm not going to go buy it, but <laughs> maybe I'm more inclined to go get Siri, but well, that, that's that. That's exactly it. <laughs> Does creative lead to a sale for Microsoft? Didn't lead to a sale for me. No, not for me either. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the AFG Podcast. Join us next week, and we'll be sure to do a little bit better. Have a good one, guys. Take care.